to take time to slow down. There's a temptation uh, to constantly be listening to podcasts, um, mm-hmm. reading all of the tweets, right? Um, reading the next business book, cramming all the information in, right? The next blog post, the next whatever, 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 to make me better, right? And what I've come to realize, especially like, I think this is my biggest takeaway in the last three to six months has been, you have to slow down to speed up. And uh, the anxiety and the craziness comes when we're just going, 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 and we don't make time to slow down, to contemplate what's really going on around us, to prioritize, uh, and then to ask God for the help to get through that. Brian Soltrop is here with me. Really excited about this conversation. He's this inspiring young entrepreneur that's started several businesses since being out of college just for a couple of years. You're not that old, uh, but it's fun to have interacted with you on Twitter over the last several years. Thanks for joining me, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, I think when I hopped on Twitter, I was probably 22 or 23, and it's it's been a few years now, so it's it's crazy. The time time flies. I know. I feel like I've known you for for years and years and years, but it's only been maybe two years that we've interacted on social media. And I'm watching your family grow and you're announcing your three-year anniversary. I'm like, I feel like I know that. I've known that guy longer than his marriage has been, but apparently not. Yeah, I think I hopped on Twitter right before I got married. It's pretty crazy how I'm now married. I've got two kids now, so it's just uh, it's awesome. It, I mean, it's... It is cool to see some of the friendships that I've made there and like the connections that now we're three, four years deep. And some, some of those connections where you make them once you think they're going to be strong, talk to them again. And some of them I've met multiple times in person and stuff. So really just, it's awesome, really. How much, how, how many connections have you made off social media? Like interactions have you created? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably somewhere around 30,000 Twitter followers. Um, I would say connections that I've been able to make because of Twitter, there's, it's in the thousands. And I know I've personally done calls. I've checked my calendar the other day. I've done calls with over a thousand people in the last three years. It seems crazy, but for a while there, I was doing six, seven, eight calls a day. Um, and then even though a lot of times we were talking about the services that our company offers, we were also just kind of networking, you know, understanding like what they're all about, um, how I could help them and that sort of thing. So it's been a huge gift. I think it's uh, given my career a, a big jump start, but also helped me to make a lot of really good friends. And um, that's something that coming out of college and everything else, it's not the most natural thing to find, to find good friends and people that are striving after the same things that you are. So um, yeah, it's been awesome. That's so cool. And your entrepreneurial journey, why don't you just jump into that? So let's let's start with that. Talk about getting out of college and then starting a business and what that looked like. You did that locally, and then you've kind of built another business that is more uh, a virtual situation. I'll take a couple steps back even before that. So I grew up, and I was super fortunate to grow up around um, both my grandfathers, kind of worked for themselves, did their own thing. Um, one had a manufacturing company. I worked there in the shop floors for many years, packaging, um, building products, actually, um, in the kind of the automotive and uh, RV space. Um, everything, right? Taking the trash out, all that sort of thing. And then um, the summers I wasn't working for him or odd times, jobs, and you know, different times. I was working for my other grandfather, who's, who's, who my dad worked with, and uh, he did a little bit of real estate. And so I got to do a lot of like tenant turns, right? Like demolition, right? Like a little a, a pet grooming place is leaving or it's coming in and we're going to, you know, turn it into a coffee shop or whatever, right? So demolition, painting, window cleaning, all those sorts of things. Got to do a lot of those um, growing up and it was awesome. Um, you know, it taught me a lot, um, taught me how to get on a commercial roof, you know, like everything, you know, that, that sort of thing is, um, is just a really big gift. So then I went off to college, 
um, wrestled for a couple of years at a school near Kansas City. Um, it's actually in Atchison, Kansas, called Benedictine College. Um, wrestling was not for me, at least at the college level. I mean, I loved it, but you know, studying for a finance exam while also cutting weight, whoo, you know, not my favorite thing, right? So quickly kind of transitioned out of that and into just focusing on school, studied finance and economics. But while I was doing that, um, kind of side hustled the whole way through that for beer money, basically. Um, I was building websites, so different, um, I actually worked for, you know, did some stuff with some political, political action groups, like some weird random opportunities that I kind of just came across and, um, and other small businesses, right? I'm talking $300 to do a website. I mean, I was charging nothing. I was like, how many packs of Coors Light can I buy with this website? Enough. That's the answer. Um, and so kind of like muddled through that. It was a good time. And then when I graduated college, I entered outside sales. So I went to work for my grandfather, the same one that I was talking about that I worked for for a long time. Um, and uh, I you know, worked for him for about a year. But then this thing happened, COVID, global pandemic, super fun. Um, I was doing outside sales. So I was essentially a commission-based sales rep. And when the pandemic happened, we were, how do I put this? We were more of a traditional company not super hot on zoom and stuff like that. Right. So there were, there were some weird things happening there and like, maybe I, I didn't know what was going to happen. And it turns out they go on to have some of their best years ever because the RV Marine industry during the middle of the pandemic took off because everybody could go just go outside. But I didn't know that in March of 2020. So my wife, uh, fiance at the time was living in North Carolina. Uh, I thought I'd move out there and, uh, start a cleaning business. <laughs> yeah, you can't end it there. I mean, to tell tell us what that what that looked like starting a cleaning business from the 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 jump. And you know, I Yeah, I, so yeah. Go ahead, sorry. So I was like I said I was working at that I was working doing that kind of outside sales stuff and the the cleaners would come through at the end of the day, right? I'd still be plugging away trying to do my emails and all that kind of stuff. And the cleaning crew would come through and they'd be dumping trash bins and all this stuff. And I was just like, well, that looks easy. I can do that and make money, right? Like, how foolish could I be? But um, so I kind of go talk to my grandpa. Hey, how much do you guys, how much do you pay those people, right? Are those, are they, do, 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 do. He's like, I don't know. Go back, go in the back and talk to the maintenance guy and see what he says. He's the one, he's in charge of that. And he's like, oh, I think we pay them about like 30 bucks an hour, da, da, da. Like, 30 bucks an hour, I only make 20, right? Well, I was so naive. Like, I didn't even know the difference between like billable rate and a salary. So anyway, I thought, oh, I can make 40 bucks an hour. All I have to do is start cleaning stuff. Easy. So I literally moved out to North Carolina in the middle of the global pandemic. I threw up a website. Remember my web design skills from back in college? I remembered some of that stuff. And so I built this little website. I get an inbound lead. It's for uh, a sorority. I, mean, I don't know if I ever told this part of the story. So it's for a sorority. And it's like three times a week. Absolute mess. They also need deep cleans. I'm like, if I show up, right, at this sorority, like Alpha, Gamma, Kappa, Delta, Phi, whatever. And, um, and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. But I have a polo. And it's embroidered with my name, my company name. And so I show up. I kind of walk around. And I'm like... Uh, let's see. So how many hours do I think it would take me times days times whatever? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so it's gonna be 2000 bucks a month. And she's like, easy. That's in our budget. And I was like, dang, I probably could have gotten more. But also I was like, whoa, $2,000 a month. That's like almost as much as I was making before. I'm going to crush it. Well, then I had to literally go turn around and spend $400 on a vacuum, a hundred dollars on, you know, cleaning supplies. I had to set, actually set up my LLC. I didn't even have any of these things, right? So quickly that $2,000 was gone, but I was making a living now. Like I could, I could survive, right? Um, this was before children, right? BC, as they say. And so um, I kind of just made it work. Long story short, I kind of keep growing that company. I keep meeting people, um, making more connections in that area. That was Eastern North Carolina to the point where I had 20, 25 employees at a given time. And I 
loved it, but I also hated it. It involved a lot of late nights, cleaning, managing people. Um, you know, I there's a lot of people in America that have it really tough. And those are the types of people that are usually taking cleaning jobs. Like just to be totally brutally honest, um, it's tough to find good workers. And I have a lot of empathy for them. But for me, I couldn't juggle all of these cleaners and all of these headaches and everything. Um, I, it, and it went, it went really well. We were doing tens and thousands of dollars a month in revenue. It was awesome in that sense. But um, I was coming home a lot of times at like midnight, 1.30. You know, I would dread, like I would just freak out because I'm like, man, are they going to set a fire alarm off? Or are they going to make a floor too slippery? Like I just had so many things I was worried about. Well, I actually hired a virtual assistant at the recommendation of a friend because I was so strapped for time, essentially, because I was still doing everything. I was managing the people. I was sending invoices. I was following up. I was doing collections. I was trying to get new customers. And so it was just an absolute nightmare. And if any of my employees quit, it was like all hell broke loose, right? Because I just, I didn't have, I wasn't actively recruiting because that was one of the things I also had to do. So at the recommendation of a friend who had a company that was doing a few million dollars a year in sales, I hired a virtual assistant in the Philippines. At the time, I was like, what is the Philippines? Now I have a Filipino sister-in-law, right? So it's like I figured it out. But um, but yeah, I hired this girl in the Philippines. It went terribly. And so I, um, I basically hired her um, and didn't make sure she had the right you know, equipment, didn't make sure she had a good internet connection, all these sorts of things. And so like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. But even amidst all of that, I was still able to hire a very affordable employee to work for my business and start to take stuff off my plate. So that's kind of um, how I got into the business I'm in now, which is a virtual staffing company. Um, and essentially we help US businesses, primarily small businesses who don't have exorbitant amounts of funds to spend on wages and the like. And uh, we help them augment their U.S. teams with offshore help. So usually that's offshore help helping with the U.S. help working together. It's not usually a, oh, we want to just like hire somebody offshore instead of onshore. It's usually like, hey, we want our U.S. team to be more efficient. We have all these really low-level tasks. Maybe we could automate them if we were a bigger company. But right now it's kind of hard. So can we just hire somebody really cheap, really cheaply um, to help us do that? And so I have a company that helps people do that. And that's, that's my story. It's a young story because you're young. You're mid-20s, I assume. Uh, and you've grounded out. You've done a great job. And you're, I would imagine your funnel that you've built through social media is pretty exciting when you have people contacting you from all over the place to, to figure out how you can serve them. Oh, it's interesting. Brent Bishore is a great friend of mine. And I know you know Brent probably from social media connection as well. Uh, he runs permanent equity, but he running a small business is kind of like a knife fight. He's, he's got my mind around yeah. that idea that it's just a constant battle to keep afloat, keep everything going, managing people, dealing with issues, going through all those pieces. It's really interesting. And something I read on your LinkedIn, and I'm going to hop to this, this part of unlocking potential when you started your janitorial business, which I think from, from one perspective is really important for kids to, to learn and know is that you aren't too good for a certain type of work. So, you know, you started a janitorial service off of just watching some people making a little bit of money in the background and, and moving. I find it fascinating that you did the janitorial service. And when did you, when did you come up with that idea that like, no work is too good for me? I can go clean toilets and that's an okay space to be in. And, is a worthy calling for a job for me as I build this life with my family. Yeah, I was really fortunate. Um, and this is not something I've talked about a ton on podcasts or any social media, really Twitter in general is just, I had parents and family who really like raised me well, and they really raised me in a way that that saw dignity in everyone, in every work. I've always believed that all work has dignity. 
Um, we're humans, you know, we're made in the image and likeness of God. Um, what gives us, you know, that's what gives us our dignity, at least in my, you know, faith background. And, um, and so like all of our work has dignity. Um, and so while many people's parents probably would have said, oh my gosh, you know, you just got a college degree, you've got to go do something better. And, um, you know, maybe I would even now would have been tempted to say that to myself. My parents didn't freak out. They just kind of like were supportive, right? And they knew it was a natural step for me. I think I'd always been kind of entrepreneurial. So they knew that I had to manifest this into something, right? I don't think they were predicting a cleaning business, but um, they also had confidence that I would do whatever I needed to do to, you know, take care of my wife and my family. So I just think, I think that between knowing that all work has dignity and not being afraid to do any of the work, and then having my dad, um, who I worked with a lot as a kid, like I said, the, the real estate stuff, when I say real estate, I'm not saying like I was doing anything fancy. I wasn't like looking at the plans. I was scraping gum off of the sidewalks. I was cutting the yard. I was take, picking up trash in the parking lots. I was um, going up to the tenants and taking their, their mail when, you know, there was a changing of address and, you know, their mail was coming to my dad's office. So I was taking it to them and, you know, having conversation with them. And so actually the other thing that I would say is I was exposed to all of these small business owners nail salons, little restaurants, gift shops, wine store, like just anything, you know, all these little stores. And so I think the other part of me was like, oh, I thought this is how the world works. Like you start a business at some point, right? You got to go start a business. <laughs> and I think we're not too good to do anything. And if my family needed me right now to go um, dig ditches, if that's what my family called me to do right now, if that's what God is calling me to do to provide for my family because there was no other options, like that's what you do. Just a good reminder for me to tell myself that too. That's so fascinating. I, I left my comfortable job to do this media company. And just this week, my father-in-law, who's one of my best friends, I just have this beautiful relationship with my father-in-law. And he has been, he bid this job here locally where, around where I live. He's a painting contractor. <clears throat> to paint this building. And um so he needed some extra hands. So the last several days, the last week really, I've been I've been digging ditches around this building so he could paint and yesterday I was in a lift 20 feet high in the air painting holding holding a, a border so he didn't get paint on windows for the painting around this building because my father-in-law is a huge blessing to me and I want to help him and he needed manpower for this big job here in town. And you do whatever you can to make ends meet. And I, I miss some important, really important meetings around the state as an elected leader. But my family needed me to be involved in the grunt work of our family's businesses. And sometimes you just got to step up and you, you have to do that. And that's why it was fascinating. That's why it stuck out to me when that not only did you start a janitorial service, but the, the mindset that nothing is below you. You need to be able to to take on work that people may look at and say, "Why are you doing that?" Yeah, I saw another person while I was going to to meet my wife at the bank to notarize some document where we had to create, and he's looking at me and he knows I'm a state center, but he doesn't know what I'm doing outside of the the legislative work, and I have paint all over me. It's like all over my hands, it's all over my face and everything. I probably look just crazy. He's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm painting. I'm helping my father-in-law paint." So these are the things you got to do to, I think, push forward, push your family forward, do the right thing for your family and be in a space that, that serves others. And I, I think that's a beautiful part of your story. Yeah, thanks, man. I think uh, I look around the world a lot and I know we have our, our issues, but I also think so much of the things that we complain about are so um, minuscule. No one I knew in my whole childhood had their grass cut by someone. I guess my point being is, is a little bit of a, a tangent off what you're saying. We can do way more than we think we can if we just open to our, our mind up to the possibility of it. And um, yeah. I even looked up that quote that you had from Brent Eshore. There's the one quote that he loved, you know, I love. And um, I think that 
you know, the good thing about starting my janitorial business so early was that I, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot to lose, you know. Um, but what he says is every business is a loosely functioning disaster that happens to make money. And I think that's pretty accurate, right? Um, and it doesn't mean that every day is chaos, but it just means that chaos happens, essentially. So you, You've also mentioned that your mindset, getting through highs and lows, making better leaders, but you, you brought up this point about being an eeny teeny peeny shrimp and how your wife was like, hey, are you being that right now? I wake up in a fit some mornings. Oh my gosh, I have so much to do. I have a thousand things. I can't do it. But you got to get up. You got to go through it. You got to do it. You got to take it on. How do you deal with mindset to keep going in the midst of entrepreneurship, which is a knife fight on a daily basis? Oh, yeah. I mean, how do I deal with mindset? Um, I have to take time to slow down. There's a temptation uh, to constantly be listening to podcasts, um, reading all of the tweets, right? Um, reading the next business book, cramming all the information in, right? The next blog post, the next whatever, 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 to make me better, right? And what I've come to realize, especially like, I think this is my biggest takeaway in the last three to six months has been, you have to slow down to speed up. And uh, the mindset, the anxiety, and the craziness comes when we're just going, 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 uh, and we don't make time to slow down, to contemplate what's really going around it, going on around us, to prioritize, um, and then to ask God for the help to get through that, right? So whatever it might be, um, you'll realize if you can slow down for a moment and turn, you know, t tune out some of that noise. The things are usually not that bad. Um, the other thing I do is I, I look at my kids because my kids are awesome um, and they are definitely troublemakers. But just it, it's, you know, looking at them in the morning is just every day. Um, it's just a great reminder to smile. And they do crazy things that make me laugh. I mean, yesterday my kid was absolutely, I was cooking and again, had my headphones in. I shouldn't have had my headphones in. But I had my headphones in. I was listening to some podcast, and I guess it was totally fine and innocuous. But I turned around, and my kid had gotten into the pantry right behind me, and he was covered in cornstarch. He poured it all over his head. He was white. He looks like the cocaine bear from that movie. He was. He was. It was hilarious. So of course, what I do, I take my phone out and snap a couple of pictures. But then. Um, family and faith like that's what keeps you from taking the business stuff too seriously even because even though it is really weighty and you're also managing other people's lives in a lot of ways um you also just need to realize that a lot of things are out of your control and to make peace with that yeah it's really hard for me to not take the cocaine bear tangent really quick but i'm going to lay off of that one uh because i'm i just think i should but your faith part where has that shown up as you've taken these leaps, moving to North Carolina, starting a janitorial business, building your family? Where has it really shown up for you? My faith has been there with me um, all the way, all the, all the way through um, growing up. Um, we, you know, we were always uh, raised going to church. Um, even when sometimes it was hard for, uh, there's always like just little hard seasons for you. Looking back, it's like, you see, oh, that was probably a hard season for my parents for whatever reason. They still always took us to church every Sunday. Um, grew up Roman Catholic and I'm still very Roman Catholic and devout, um, in my faith, but, um, that's the, you know, faith tradition I grew up around. And so I also was fortunate to go to schools that supported my values, um, and really special schools in Wichita, Kansas, that um, are made possible through the community and the tithe. And so what I would say is, you know, we didn't have to pay like a huge tuition. Um, and I got to be around kids who shared my faith, but also um, were not necessarily loaded 
right? A lot of kids that were getting free lunches because they were, you know, below the poverty line, whatever it might be. So I, um, I had a really great faith upbringing. And then um, I actually went to a Catholic college, which was very fortunate. Um, and just to know other people, other college students, it's not the norm to have a lot of college students around you that like love God, you know, and really care about that and really think about that first and foremost. And so, of course, that's where I met my wife. I met her on the first day of orientation, perhaps a story for a different time, but, um, and that was extremely formative for me. And then as far as entrepreneurial stuff goes, um, I think that I always knew I wanted to be a really good father and involved in my community and um, helpful to those around me. And business is a good way to do that. So that was that was a big, big driver in me wanting to have what I think of as a not less significant, but a strong impact, a big impact on the people around me. There's so much dignity in every job. Um, but the people that we touch, I mean, we've helped now um, over 500 people get jobs working for U.S. companies and they're thriving and providing for their families. And then just on my internal team, like I have uh, almost everyone on my team has kids, um, some with multiple and, you know, just seeing them, them thrive and everything is like incredibly rewarding. Right. And so, um, I think my faith kind of helps to keep me grounded and reminds me of what's truly important. Um, and then always again to treat everyone with dignity even when it's hard so that that's kind of there's so many ways i mean asking me like how faith influenced my life is kind of like asking me like how i live my life because it's so it's so bound in who i am um but yeah that that's that's a little bit on that that's good and how how you've had this struggle with anxiety that you've also posted about at least once a week can you tell me more about that as an entrepreneur and is it re resulting from an entrepreneur from entrepreneurship? It's just waking you up in the morning trying to take care of your family or is it you've always had a kind of proclivity for anxiety? Hmm. I remember a couple of times growing up when I had some, what I would call in, in hindsight, probably like anxiety attacks or close to not not as not so bad that i had to you know get any extreme intervention but getting myself really wound up as i might say um and i was really really fortunate to have uh, mentors and people in my life especially my parents but then i, I think about my high school wrestling coach um you know some other mentors that I had, some professors during college. Not that they were all just like giving me therapy, but um, but like being there as a sounding board. And when you go through the troubles and, and the difficulties of life, um, real, realizing you're not crazy, right? Other people are dealing with these things too. And so I think particularly a few years ago, I'll speak on this kind of more acutely, is I got married where I just celebrated a three-year three wedding anniversary, and I had moved to North Carolina, and I was, I said to my wife, I was pretty, it was pretty lonely. Like, I don't recommend being, like, taking the lonely route. I don't recommend um, what we might sometimes think of as, like, American individualism. Like, it's good in a sense, right? Put things on your shoulders, carry a load. But it's also bad in the sense of that load can feel so exhausting when you realize that, oh, there's, there's other, but, but then you realize there's other people also carrying their load and they're also there to help you, right? And you can work together. And so I would say now I don't struggle with anxiety so much. Um, there's tenuous points for sure, but they're more regulated. And I think that's mostly from having a good community. I have a lot less anxiety. And then the times when when I do, when I think back, when I really did struggle with that more. Um, so I went to therapy 
the end of college for like three sessions. Uh, and it changed my life actually. And I wish I had the book. Um, it's called the feeling good handbook by Burns. I don't know. Maybe you can link it up or something. I think his last name is Burns, I believe. And it basically just, there's a book that talked about how, you know, we experience emotion, um, or we experience things that come into our life and then we get to choose to how to react to those things. And it gives you a lot of tools to working through those. Um, and this therapist said, I don't want to see you forever. You know, I mean, by all means, like if you need to keep coming, keep coming. But my goal is to help you like move through this. And she gave me this book, the feeling good handbook. And I, um, it's probably this thick, you know, it's, it's a big meaty book on several hundred pages or at least a few hundred pages. And, um, you just kind of work through it. And I would recommend that to anyone who um, struggles with anxiety. We will definitely link that in the show notes. The It's interesting that you bring up loneliness. Every conversation I've had thus far, we've talked about the epidemic of loneliness, especially in men, because I think we have a distant, disinterest because we've been taught to have a disinterest in being vulnerable, vulnerable in any way, really to show any sign of weakness which is a problem that's been handed down by our parents. My, my dad is certainly that way. And my grandparents certainly were that way. But at the same time, we were made, I really truly believe through my faith walk that we were made to be in community. We were made to be known. We want to be known. And, and for men to deny that, it creates some real problems in the mental health space. And we're seeing that playing out. Suicides are through the roof especially in military, they've gone through some real trauma. Like we're just handling trauma poorly in our country, really poorly. My wife is a counselor. So this is just stuff I know as an outset of just being married to somebody who knows what she's doing in this space. But especially for men, I just, I'm just very concerned because I think men are lonely and it's the anxiety and the, mm -hmm. the, the stress of the world and, and then not working in community pandemic certainly exacerbated the problem because it prevented us from being community or being around each other and having interactions where you can actually figure out where people are at and how they're doing and see and, and lean on each other for, for support. So it's, it's really interesting. You bring that up and I know I brought up the anxiety piece, but it seems like a theme that's, that I'm talking about a lot. Yeah, that was the other thing. So it's hugely, we had a hugely positive impact when we started, or like it had a hugely imp positive impact on me when we started to just invite people over to our home. Um, as you grow up in, in regular old society, like the way that we operate, it's like grade school, you got your classmates, middle school, classmates, high school, classmates, you do everything together, eight hours a day. College, you have a little bit more freedom, but you're still pretty structured and you're living a lot of times like right next to the people that you hang out with. Then you go to the real world and it's like, see ya. And as you're, if you're doing remote work, it's like even worse. And then a lot of times people are moving across the country. They've lost almost all of their childhood connections. And so, yeah, I mean, there is an epidemic of loneliness. And I don't think that the solution probably is just being like super like ushy mushy vulnerable yeah, but it's probably just being willing to admit that like, i want a friend right now like i need a friend right now and not just looking for that like i i know a lot of young guys that are married not not just looking for that in your spouse you know mm -hmm. that's a lot for them to carry like if you're already struggling if they're dealing with you and not not like marriage you need to work together through things but like if they're dealing with you struggling and then you're going to try and put the burden on them to be like Listen to everything that I have, you know, right now that I'm dealing with on top of all your other responsibilities as a, you know, wife and mother, that's a lot, that's a big ask. So you need to cultivate these, um, especially like male to male friendships. I feel like those are particularly helpful. Uh, and what I would say about those also is like, they take a really long time to form. So the, the more you do together um the better off you'll be and my recommendations would be have people over to your house to for you know beers or drinks go or go get an appetizer you know with a friend after the kids gone to sleep you know like you're you're you know just do it 
Um, go do, find some activity. A lot of people like golf. I'm, I don't really, you know, believe in that, but disc golf is great. Um, so, you, you know, go, go, you know, go to the park and walk. And, and as men, it's, it's obviously much easier a lot of times for us to do something while we're, you know, getting to know each other, right? Rather than just sitting across from, you know, having a coffee. It can work sometimes, but I like this golf better. So those are my kind of like three recommendations for, for anybody that feels a little bit lonely. And I'll be honest, like we're having people over on the 27th again. And thank goodness, because, um, you know, it's just been, it's been a long summer. People have been all over the place. And like, we've spent a lot of time with family, which has been good, but I haven't seen a lot of my friends in months because we've just been all over the place. And that that's an interesting point on the mushy side. I, I, certainly don't subscribe to the need to sit in a room and just cry all the time, just to cry all the time. But just being willing to say, hey, life has been is meant to be lived in community as humans, whether you're introverted or extroverted, it doesn't matter, you need to have friends. And having your wife or your spouse is not going to fulfill that perfectly, because they don't think the same, you know, males and female, they are different, as cancelable as that is to say, for me, but they're different. I have a mentor that said that told me this once and I, it really has always stuck out to me is we kind of get boring older in life as the world jades us and we go through all the stuff in life and the traumas and the the changes and everything and we look back and we're like why why can't we have why can't we be more excited and and at peace and excited about what's going on in our lives like we did when we were kids well we stopped playing we stopped having fun we we got so serious about everything all the time and that just creates kind of this boring life where you're not you're not letting loose at any point. Even your kids, I mean, they'll show you this. My daughters come up to me all the time when I'm on my phone being distracted instead of being present with them. And they're like, hey, daddy, we come play with me. It's like, that's that's a sign. Maybe drop your phone, go play with your kids and be with your kids and be present. But this idea of play as adults and, and figuring out ways to break the break the pain in life with something that takes the edge off is not a bad idea. And I just think that's, that's really telling. So I love, I love your thoughts there. Let me, let me go to this, that you, you posted these, these quotes from people that were dying, 24 things, people dying, wish they'd done. And I love these things because I think as I have conversations with, with people too, they, they always say at the end of life, what are, what are people talking about? What, what do they wish they'd done? What are they, you know, regrets that they have or whatever. And how can, how can that motivate us to be better? What stands out from that to you for people that are at the end of their life that you've, you've read about or studied about what stands out to you that motivates you today? That's kind of funny. You just hit on them like kind of back to back. Like the thing about being present with your children, I think is so critical. And I think, um, Something I find, I, I regularly find myself asking um, God for forgiveness for, right, um, and for just the grace to be better is in that those moments where just not really being available to my children. Like how many moments am I missing where you don't have to be there all the time. But I'm not someone that says, just quit, just make a bunch of money, retire, and then just like stare at your children all day. Like that's not gonna work. But when you're there, like when you're home, like be home. And so one of the things I'm personally working on is I'm working towards kind of getting rid of my phone and just using essentially an Apple Watch to get notifications. And then my iPad for all my work stuff. But then like, I just, cause my phone is it's just like the screen time stuff is horrendous. Why am I on here for six, seven hours? Like what, what am I doing here? And the reality is it's just, it's a lot of wasted time and I want to be spending with my children. And I think like a lot of the stuff that's in those, like things that those people said, um, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of really good specific ones that you could, you know, you could pull a quote out from, but it's a, it's a lot of it's in that vein, which is like, I wish I was more present with my children. I wish I appreciated my parents more. I wish I gave more to my community. Like, I wish that I like didn't care so much about work. 
Not that caring about work is bad, but that just like it doesn't matter as much as like we sometimes treat it like it does. So, um, they, th- that, those quotes, I would say definitely read those cause they shared them more, much more eloquently than me. Um, but that's all that's coming for each of us, right? Is, is the end of this life. And so, um, I don't think it's something to be freaking out about every day but certainly something that should influence kind of the way we go about. I've had this thought on doing this podcast too, but what's the purpose behind some of this? And part of it is because I want one day, this is kind of a legacy thing for me. And I want my kids one day to hear what was interesting to me and, and to hear from the network that I have, the people that are that I really want to talk to and have conversations with that I want my kids and my grandkids, hopefully one day will maybe one of them is nuts enough to listen to these long conversations and get a nugget of wisdom. Like, Oh, people that are dying or at the end of their lives have regrets about not chasing their dreams or not taking, Mm -hmm. making hard decisions to be around their family or, not moving or traveling when we should have, I should have taken that risk. And if one of my kids, one of my legacy children way down the line, listen to this one day and say, man, that really, I I need to travel because great grandpa Travis said that, you know, this is important. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very, there's a, there's a bigger purpose for why I want to do some of this stuff, because I think these conversations, these points are important when my kids come around hopefully and say what was important my grandfather because i don't i don't think our parents my parents at least mine my grandparents didn't do a great job of telling me my family history so i know very little about my extended my extended family and what was interesting to them or what was important to them or life lessons what they learned and there were some really hard moments in my family's history i wish i'd know more about them and so on a grand level this is these are the conversations i want them to hear about their dad, their grandfather, their great grandfather, and hopefully this lasts that amount of time. So, you know, it's, it's not only just fun to have you on with me to have this conversation, but for me, it's a, it's a much bigger venture. Uh, and it's a long game. And I hope that it, it remains a, remains a long game. Let me um, yeah. shift, shift really quick to marriage. You have this really beautiful mm-hmm. moment, I think, that you mentioned on social media. It says, I don't understand what you're talking about some dream you had with your wife. And and you and she said, I don't understand what you're saying as you explain, you know, this venture to her. But the excitement in your eyes brings me joy. I support you. And that is a beautiful thing to have a spouse that is alongside of you in that way. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I've always been the visionary. I've always been the five-year thinker, the big picture thinker, the big let's build an empire thinker. And, um, I don't know. I thought maybe like when I would, when I was younger that I would marry someone like that also had these big dreams and ambitions. Um, and I married a woman who is pretty much the exact opposite. She's so good at keeping up with the practical, right? Um, and the, the daily and the important things therein. And um, one of those things is kind of me expressing these dreams and ambitions and, hey, let's build this thing or whatever. Um, And her just like having this, just this this constant support, right? Um, This sense of belief in me that I don't have to ask for. You know, it's unconditional. I mean, it really, you know, it's it's quite unconditional like i could tell her that i really want to start another you know venture and um she probably asked me some questions because she keeps me grounded um but she's very she knows really very little about the day-to-day of kind of like what i'm doing and like that's like in a good way right in a good way of like she trusts me to um help provide for our family you know and make and make good things happen. And I know that on the hard days, when I have to let go of an employee, or um, 
you know, one time I had an employee steal from me, like she'll be there for me as a rock. Right. And we can, um, like that joy and that, that, um, support is just always there. You've built a great foundation. As you've already mentioned, family is so crucial. A two parent home is such a big deal to a, a kid's success or kid's success in general. And you're building that for your own family. And I, I love that part of your story that your marriage is so important to you. And then also as you're building businesses that a priority in your mid twenties, which most people are grinding out a future and trying to be successful, but you are, you are saying not only can I provide and be successful, but part of that is going to be being with my family. And so you're buying, you're buying back your time mm -hmm. with your family as you build businesses, you're building in that family as a, as a priority. Walk me through that and how you, mm -hmm. how you think through, how do I create a situation where I can be with my family as opposed to just grinding out a, a future where I'm making a ton of money, but I don't have time with my family. Yeah. Well, I would just take a step back kind of like to again, talk about my wife for a moment. Like I said, when I quit that, I, we were engaged to be married like that August when I quit my job in March. And like, even by the time August came around, that cleaning business was not swinging, you know, it was not, it was struggling. Like it was still, you know, we're still getting things figured out. Right. Really. Um, I mean the, that quote that I did for that sorority was the day before I think like the week, it was the week of our wedding. It was. So it like all kind of came together after that. But like she was, you know, there supporting me. Like she, she believed in me, um, even though I didn't have much to show for it for a while. So, um, and I guess so we've always operated that way, right? Like we've always operated in a way that's like family comes first and like we're going to trust each other and care for each other and care for our children. And then like, other things are going to come in, you know, we're going to do what we need to do to make things happen. But that is always our first priority, you know? And so when it comes to family, I mean, my, my list is pretty much like God, spouse, you know, family, extended family work, like extended family work. And then, um, so work is always important, but it feeds the other things, right? And like work is valuable in and of itself. Like philosophically, I believe that like work is valuable, but it has a purpose. Um, the purpose is not just to work as little as possible and make the most money. Although like, I think that's fine for some people. That's not my personal goal, but the work should always serve your family. It should serve your relationships with others. It should serve your church and it should serve God. And so I always took the lens of like, I have to do something where I'm not spending every waking hour, you know, just at work. Right. Um, that's always been in me. That's always been a gift, um, that I was given. And to some sense, I, I also have such deep admiration for the people that do pour out their selves into their work and like our military men and women who, you know, go on deployments for months at a time, they don't see their family. Like that's, obviously honorable, you know, and men that work on oil rigs and, you know, can't get back to see their families too much either. Like we need that. We need all of that. Um, but for me, like I always wanted to make sure that my work was serving my family. And so, so that was a deep driver in why I wanted to start my own thing, do my own thing. Um, and so what I would kind of do is I would work myself up to 40 hours a week of work or 40 or 60 and then I would hire a person, kind of like cut things back down and being kind of ruthless about the things I want to delegate to other people. Um, so that way I'm not getting too bogged down. And I also have this incredible gift of not being the most intelligent person that's ever walked the face of the earth. I have a lot of heart and I am uh, fairly sharp, but there are a lot of people that can do things better than me. And so employing them when, when it makes sense. And so I encourage more people to do that. Um, and, uh, and, and I think particularly now I'm at, I'm 27, just turned 27, Travis. And, um, though I'm 
haven't been not the most seasoned and experienced guy. I am starting to see what happens when you work for four years in college, or you go through college for four years, right? You graduate at 22, 23. And I have a lot of friends that are five years deep into their careers. And the ones that are making like really good money are working really long days. And they have to sacrifice other things. Um, and I don't want to sacrifice other things, right? Um, be it time with their family or, you know, time for themselves, like time in prayer, time focused on their, their physical, you know, and emotional health and these sorts of things. So like, I kind of want to be able to have some balance of most of those things. And it's just hard when you have a job that requires you to work 60 hours a week. So, um, if you don't want to do that, I do recommend trying to do something on your own. If you, if you think that you have the stomach for it and you can't forget what, what comes first. And when your job, you know, when the, the more money or whatever comes with more hours, you can say, no, you can go get a job, different place, or you can say, Hey, I'm actually good here. I don't want their promotion. And, uh, that's very admirable too. You got to know, man, you're really inspiring. Uh, I love following your your career as you expand and grow and how you're thinking through the principles that you live by. And that's why it was important to enjoy having you on the podcast and talking through these things because those things are also important to me and I share them and just in a different, a different world, a little political, a little bit entrepreneurial, but not to the level that you have. And to be your age and to have those principles set in place is is really encouraging and makes me makes me feel good about your generation um even though i don't feel that much mm. older than you, i am very much older than you so um it's great to see you man i'm glad you joined me travis thank you and i will say there's many 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 uh good men and women that are striving after great things in in this generation so i i um i think that many of us will be pleasantly surprised um as what good things can come i believe it it's it's fun to see the builders it's fun to see you thrive and doing well and taking care of family man good work thank you travis